So a lot of people have mission statements. A mission statement is a swear word at LeapZone. Uh, any other real swear words or not, but mission statement is. And who cares about a mission statement? Nobody remembers mission statements. I care that you are on a mission. So we as a team are on a mission to leave people feeling on fire and unstoppable. That's our mission. And every day we know that and we remind each other of that. Before every call, I take three breaths and I go, all right, my mission is to leave whomever I'm going to be with right now on fire and unstoppable. And that is a guiding principle at Leap Zone and everybody knows it. Everybody strives to deliver on that every single day. And I'll tell you, there's nothing better than just one or two words to create a culture of amazingness. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, thank you for spending your time with us today, and hopefully we'll enjoy our show that we have with my friend and colleague who I've known for 15 years, Isabel Mercier. Now, Isabel has a TED Talk that's now reached 2 million views or downloads. So amazing. She has her own TV show, LeapTV.com. So she's been very successful in life, and I'm excited, excited to have you here her interview. But, but before we go into that, Sergi sponsors the Secrets of Success podcast. And one of the things that Isabel, Isabel and myself talk about during the interview is one the, the importance of clarity. Do you know that you know who you are and what you bring to the marketplace? And in clarity, we can now bring confidence. So we just recently had our certification here at CRG, and one of the things that happened is that there was just this validation from all the professionals in the room who had taken almost 50 other personality assessments said, you know what, CRG, the personal style indicator is the number one tool in the world. There's no question about it. It is so much better than anything else that we have taken. And they had taken them all. And we had people from all around the world in the room. And so part of the personal style indicator is we really honor you as a participant. So if you've not completed the personal style indicator or we even have our e-course, Why Aren't You More Like Me, which is based on my book of the same uh, title, then my encouragement is, is that you would complete the assessment so that you would really understand in depth who you are, what you bring in that level of clarity, because the research is clear, is that once I know who I am, then I can make confidence decisions, then I can get some better results than maybe I'm getting or just adding, enhancing the great results that you're already uh, experiencing. So thank you again for listening to SOS. If you like what we're doing, please pass it on. Let other people know about it. Share it. Also leave a positive comment on whatever platform you might be listening to. And we sure appreciate you participating and being part of the SOS tribe and community. Thank you again. Now here's our guest, Isabel Mercier. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today, listen, I have somebody who's extremely famous, but infamous also, but also my friend. So is that three three Fs that I just said? Well, anyways. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, TED Talk with two million downloads, a host of Leap TV, Isabel Mercier, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I Honestly, um, I'm honored. Well, Isabel, we've known each other for a while. I was trying to actually go back and say, 
how long have we known each other? It's got to be like 15, 16, 17 years, something like that. Something like that for sure, in that range for sure. Yeah, we, uh, everybody listening really doesn't care, but we've known each other for a while. <laughs> so Isabel, you are a brand and really a performance expert. You, Leap TV was for entrepreneurs and individuals to see their success. But before we get into just your, all your expertise, uh, we'd like to know about Isabel's journey. Like we're, uh, since Mercier, and you have a little bit of a French accent, Yeah, I'm just picking up that you were born in Hong Kong or something. That's right, exactly. You're bang on. <laughs> I'm a purebred Quebecer. <laughs> Quebecer. And now you're living on the west coast of uh, Canada on Vancouver Island. So what's that about? Ah, you know what? We celebrated 25 years like this month. So we've been 25 years in BC. We love it. You know, we, I say we, my partner, my partner and I, uh, Margarita, um, we, uh, we moved 25 years ago for the film industry. We were both uh, graduating uh, Concordia University in scenography, which is set design and special effects for movies. So, of course, Vancouver is the Hollywood of Canada. <laughs> Right. 25 years ago. Wow. And I didn't even know there was such a sort of profession, but I get that. Now, let's just go back one little bit. Just tell us a little bit or share a little bit about your background and your story of your family and, you know, where this sort of entrepreneurial bent came from, if any, from your your roots. Well, for all of it. In fact, you know, we're lots of entrepreneurs in my family. Um, a lot of people, you know, when they say, oh, what made, what made you decide to be an entrepreneur? I, that wasn't even a question for me. I don't think there was any other way in my family. So my mm-hmm. mom was a hairdresser, had her own um, business. Uh, my dad worked for a radio and TV station. Uh, he was a radio talk show host and uh, did a lot of lot of radio and TV, which is probably where I get my gift of gab. Um, oh, Isabel, and, you know what? In all these years, I didn't know that, but oh, uh-huh. that, that makes complete sense. Yeah, there you go, right? Um, and I, I learned so much from my mom's business. You know, I'd, I'd go to school. I always hung out with much older people than I was at the time. You know, if I was five, six, ten, I'd hang out with 40-year-olds um, at the salon and loved every minute of it. I learned uh, a lot about branding, a lot about uh, how to differentiate yourself, how to how to pamper and delight your customers. I learned all of that from my mom from behind the chair. I'm probably going to have a book one day. What I learned from behind the chair. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been quite the ride actually. I've loved every minute of it. And then, what did you learn from your parents in terms of just success principles in life and how they encouraged you to? You know, be be your own person. Yeah, you know, I was never thinking big enough with my parents. You know how sometimes you have kids that have what seem to be big ideas, and then you have adults kind of shut down those ideas right away. Ah, you know, this won't, it'll never mm. work. Or I have the complete opposite. Um, my mom was always going, and if you were to think bigger, Isabel, what would that look like? Um, so it was always about thinking bigger, which wow. It's amazing, and it, it's gotten me to, it, it's definitely gotten me to where I am today, which I'm extremely grateful. But at the time, I felt like, there's many times where I felt like I was not enough. It's like, oh, I feel like whatever I'm saying, it's never, meanwhile, she wasn't judging. It was just opening up my world, right? But sometimes I didn't take it that way. Plus, my mom wanted me to pitch everything. So, you know, if I wanted roller, bla- roller skates, because at the time, you know, it was roller skates, um, 
she would say, okay, Isabel, you know, pitch me why you want this and why you want these and instead of these ones, and what are you going to do to actually make money to come up with half of that? So I, from early on, I started paying for half of I was probably nine years old when I started paying for half of what I needed or wanted as a kid, and I worked at the salon with her, and I made some money, and, you know, she was really good at making, now, I hated it at the time, you know, I thought, oh, my friend Genevieve, you know, she just wants a pair of skates, asks for them, and gets them, mm. and that's awesome, and I have to, like, pitch my mom, and then, oh, and now I'm very happy, because this is what I do for a living, you know, I actually help people differentiate themselves and stand out to be the first, the best, and the only, right? And mm. little did I know that when I was a child, uh, the annoyance side of my mom would come in handy. <laughs> mm. Oh, I, I get that. Now, one of the things that your mom was teaching you, which is obvious to us as we look back, is just taking responsibility totally. versus, you know, really this narcissistic situation where, you know, some of the younger people had it all handed to them. And then all of a sudden, they have to work for a living. Said, "Whoa!" So you were you were taught responsibility at an early age. You owned it. Yes, maybe you didn't. You disliked it, but it really made you the person that you are today in some way. Oh, one hundred percent. And I'm so grateful today for my mom. Even the way my mom uh, raised my brother, she raised him very differently than I than I was raised. And probably because I was the first, and suddenly he was the second, and you know. Uh, you just, mm-hmm. You've learned a lot in the first one, and you're a little bit le- more lenient, probably. But he he did not have the same sense of responsibility that I did at all. Um, and so often I'd say, I don't understand how we came out of the same belly. It's just so two <laughs> different, completely different souls. Yeah. Well, you and I are both eldest, so yes. we have a bit of that burden to carry as well. The curse of the capable. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I haven't heard that before, but I'm definitely stealing that one for sure. Yeah, totally. So, so now, did you go to university to kind of play in this film industry at all after high school, or what did you do there? Yeah, I did. So I did. In, in Quebec, we have a bit of a different system than here out west. So we have high school, then we have college, then we have university. So my college uh, was in uh, graphic design and marketing and art, basically. And university was a bachelor's degree in fine arts with a specialization in scenography, which is three years of pure hell, (laughs) Uh, pure hell working day and night uh, around, uh, yeah, special effects and costumes. And now, I did not speak a word of English when I went to English university. Wow. Yeah, that was... That was crazy. That was nuts. Uh, and yet I thought, well, if, if I want to learn English, might as well throw myself in. Right? Isabel does nothing half, half-ass. It's always oh, all really? or nothing. I, I never knew that about you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Uh, so I'm, this is where I met Margarita, my wife. And um, she, she was bilingual. She's lived in Montreal, was raised very early. She was bilingual at five years old or even mm. earlier than that, whereas I learned English at 19 or 20. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't speak English before that. So university level of language in a language that you know nothing about, let me just put it this way. Um, wow. It's not a recommendation I would make every day. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, if you want to really abuse yourself, I guess that's one way to do it. 
That is one way to do it. It is very practical, though. I, I was very clear that uh, I wanted, I knew I was going to live and operate in English from a, ki- from a kid's age. I knew that. Mm-hmm. And in Quebec, you know, there's the Law 101 where it doesn't, we're not allowed to go to English school unless one of your parents is English or has gone to English school, which is a, the dumbest law in the world because it, it's a perpetuating law of uni language, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But um, so I, I knew for a fact that I wanted to speak English. And I remember um, going to court actually to debate the Quebec government at, I was nine or 10 years old because I wanted to go to English school and I couldn't. And my mom was like, well, let's go tell someone who can do something about it. <laughs> so um, I actually won, and uh, I was able to go to Stenstead, which is a place, it's, it's half in Quebec, half in the States. And the school was a, a nun school, private school. I went there for a year, and it was all English, except that there's a t- because of me, <laughs> there's a ton of French people who ended up there to learn English. So we ended up speaking more French than English, which was unfortunate. But mm. Well, that happens with foreign language students. They hang out together. That's right, <laughs> so exactly. So they can at least have a conversation <laughs> with somebody somewhere. Yeah, so that didn't really help, but it put me in the, in the bath a little bit of more English, and then when I moved to Montreal, I moved to the English side of Montreal um, and um, went to Concordia, which was completely English, and then Margaret became my personal translator. We were absolutely amazing friends, and then, of course, now, 27 years later, can you imagine mm. that? We're still mm-hmm. together. Yeah, well, yeah. It, time just flies, doesn't it, for sure? It sure does. It's, it's like, crazy. boom. I mean, the fact that we've known each other for 15 years, it's a, where did that go? I know, mind-boggling. This blip along the way for that. So now you're moving um, out west. What really motivated that to to uproot from your culture and to come, you know, to a whole new space? Yeah, I was super excited to explore. First of all, I'm an ocean girl. I love the ocean. I love the mountains. I love the fresh air. And I love Montreal, Montreal and Quebec City. Those are my, they're my homes. But I go there to visit Vancouver Mm -hmm. is my home now. And so we moved out here, Margaret and I, specifically for the movie industry. We worked in the film industry for a little bit. Um, Ended up, it's very unionized, right? Ended up hating, imagine me in a unionized environment. Am I not pretty? Oh, yeah. You would be thrown out fairly quickly. Yeah, exactly. Except that I threw myself out before, before anyone else could. So I just took myself out of that. And then I worked for a French cultural center as a graphic designer for a, a year about. And then, a, then we started our first business, which became really successful really fast. Uh, and then we sold that business in 2006. But truly, what we wanted was um, we wanted to come out west. I was tired of Montreal. I had worked really hard. You know when you go to university and you're so dedicated and you work, all you do is work. You don't really enjoy anything else. I, I just, I had it. You know, I had to completely have something new. Mm-hmm. I love new. I'm the chaser. I love chasing. Oh, you're new. the adventure girl. Come on. I am. Yeah. That's yeah. just you. I mean, if anybody gets to know you, that's your energy. That's uh, you're just out there. All that, that's where all that creativity comes for your branding work too. Totally. Yeah. I love new adventures and <laughs> learning, love learning. And, you know, there's nothing better than to put yourself in a completely different architecture mm-hmm. or area or environment to learn, you know. Well, thank you for that, Isabel. And I, I want to just kind of transition into 
you did a lot of episodes on Leap TV. Now, are you still doing that, or is that just reoccurring out there after all the years of doing it? Right now, it's reoccurring, but it's only as of this year, 2019. I don't have any new episode for in 2019. We've made a few shifts in our team, and uh, I decided to uh, put my effort uh, into developing an evergreen webinar sequence uh, and nurture campaign for my awesome online community. So I'm, there are 78 episodes out there, so there's lots of awesome stuff that we can repurpose, and not everybody has seen every episode of course, so we're still promoting, promoting the episode. But this year mm-hmm. is, the, is the year that I have not uh, done any new episodes. Well, that's still uh, a decade plus of TV. Uh, totally. when, you know, when, when it really the online platforms were more difficult to work with if we go way back. Uh, oh, my God, yeah. Way back sure. as, as a decade ago in this space, right? And here we are. We're doing a podcast these new platforms that are out there, whatever platform people are using, you know, me to be able to do guests anywhere around the world. I mean, I've interviewed people from Dubai or Australia or Asia. Whoa, how's that even possible, right? I know. The world is now at our fingertips. It's so easy. Now that I live um, in the trees, right, I live on a 5.2 acres um, equestrian estate. I don't, I, I used to live in Yale Town, so of course, you know, I'd be meeting clients here and there and traveling here. And now I spend a lot more. I spend my days in meetings and coaching sessions and rebrands, uh, strategy sessions here at Trailblazers at our retreat center. I sp- I, either people come and see me here and we spend awesome time, dedicated time on their business together, or I'm on Zoom and it's so easy. Mm-hmm. Isn't it though? Oh. And for everybody listening to this interview, look at this. You probably have your iPhone or your Samsung or whatever it is, your Android device, and you're just traveling around listening to this interview in this podcast and saying, wow, I mean, I, I consume one to two hours of podcasts nearly every day, right. and what, what a great invention that has been. So, let's, so Isabel, when we think about you know, change, what were some of the characteristics and qualities that you guys implemented, that you implemented, that created or contributed to your initial success in business? What are some of the principles that the listeners can embrace or consider from you? Totally, absolutely. First of all, we... We, um, we treat ourselves, Margaret and I, in our business, right? We treat ourselves and always have as our own million-dollar client. So we spend more time on our business than anyone I know out there. And you know how we're, we're, we always love to deliver our genius, of course, and like everybody, if, you, if you're in business, of course you've, you're in business because you've got a, a particular genius that you want to help people with. And we get so busy delivering our genius to other people and bettering other people and bettering other people's brands and businesses that we tend to forget. And I don't want to generalize, but it's a high percentage of entrepreneurs don't spend nearly enough time on their own business, bettering their systems, their processes, scaling up and being clear, creating a lot of clarity around where they're going. So for me, uh, it's very important. Margaret and I spend, invest uh, a day, almost a full day a week working on our business. That's just Margaret and I. Then there's other people on our team that, that do the same for us. 
And uh, we do our own uh, Leap Zone retreats where we spend time with our team, spend time with ourselves, and really look at what's clunky, what can be better, how can we innovate to help our clients and create even more impact. So we're constantly debating ourselves, constantly up-leveling ourselves. So that's definitely one of them. So if we go back to 30 years ago, I met Michael Gerber in yep. person. Yep. You know, this, idea, this whole idea of working in your business versus on it. Is that really what you're talking about, Isabel? Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's working on your business versus in it. So it's actually working on it and looking at deconstructing and making it better. And so we have a list that we call a parking lot list. And every week I add stuff to the parking lot list, things that I feel could be better, could be, or could be less clunky, could be better for, for our clients, for ourselves internally. And um, every week we pick one thing out of this list to actually better as a team or as individuals within the team. So it is all about... Uh, very in line with Michael E. Gerber. In fact, I interviewed him on Leap TV years ago. I've got two episodes with Michael E. Berger, uh, Gerber, and it was a, an amazing, amazing couple of couple of episodes of Leap TV. I totally enjoyed. Um, oh, Michael's very approachable. I I met him per, in person as well, and he was just actually launching the book for the first time. Yeah, in downtown Vancouver. I think it was like '92. Yeah. Maybe ninety three, uh, something like that. Maybe ninety one. In that, and just it's so important. Yet it still still occurs that most businesses and ourselves included here at CRG, where our own internal systems let us down. Now, in your documentation, Isabel, you talk about the number one mistake that you know owners or entrepreneurs make. What is that? You know, it's that they don't have the the a thriving architecture. They don't have the architecture. It doesn't mean, like Michael E. Gerber says, it doesn't mean that you're amazing at baking pies, that you can actually run a business of baking pies. And um, the architecture of a successful, thriving business, especially if you're in a service-based business, right? Uh, a business that require, that's all about time, leveraging your time and leveraging your genius. You've got to have the proper architecture in place in terms of how do you pre-qualify clients? How do you qualify them? How do you propose or make an offer? How do you deliver your genius? How do you renew? How do you nurture? All these systems and procedures are, are part of what we call an architecture here at LeapZone. Mm. And we have a step-by-step -step way of actually really working with our clients around this architecture. And it's, there's three pillars in, within this architecture, and it's positioning, performance, and personality. If a business is not positioned to be found and be loved and be um, leveraged, It'll never go. It, you can have the best, you could be the best kept secret, you know, and mm. uh, that's not good in business, obviously. So even if you have the best system in the world, if nobody, if you're not positioned for people to find you and want to work with you regardless of price, that's what positioning is all about, you're going to have trouble in business. Now, if mm. your, the personality, the culture of your business is not unique and different and serving the top-of-mind problems, solving the top-of-mind problems of your ideal clients, 
you're going to have a, a, a hell time being in business. And performance is all about key performance indicators, um, things, systems in your business that allow you to spend more time delivering your genius than dinking around with things that don't work well. So these three pillars are part of the architecture. And then within the three pillars, there are eight key areas for growth. And I'm not going to name them all. Mm-hmm. Mindset and inner game is definitely one of them. Uh, well, of course, we talk about that a lot here. Yeah. And if, I, if you recall, I came downtown in Vancouver and worked with your group Yes. at one time just to really do the values assessment with them so people were clear about who they were and could they make values-based decisions. If you recall, that's almost 10 years ago. That is almost, yeah, for sure. And I do recall, and uh, it was, it was, it is, it's part of, it's definitely part of what we do now and mindset and inner game. My God, it's, we worked with a, a client once that wanted to go from seven to 14 million and the strategy, the systems, everything's in place everything. And he'd come close and then he'd always snap back to seven. And we're like mass scratching our heads going, what the hell? And meanwhile, the mindset was one of, I feel like I don't have a life at 14 million. I'm more comfortable at seven. Well, if the mindset and and the inner game is such that that is the undertow, right? The undercurrent of an ocean is mindset and inner game. So the undercurrent always wins. And so that's why we actually invested um, money and time and effort and sweat equity into our retreat center here in the News Bay because Margarita and the horses take care of the overcome. So if I was to explain my business in two words, Ken, it would be outcome overcome. I'm all about strategies for outcome. Margarita is all about uh, helping inner game and mindset for, uh, as to what needs to be overcome in order to reach the outcome. And that's what makes us so different. Well, we see that we see that, see that a lot, Isabel, where individuals sabotage their own success. This this is this has been around and discussed for decades. Sure, absolutely. Yet many people, though many people, really don't recognize or realize that's what's going on. Well, you know what? And if you're in the frame of your business, you, if you're in the frame, you can't see the picture, right? So. Um, a lot of people might be more aware of their limiting beliefs and their inner, inner, uh, inner game um, if they had someone outside of their business, like a coach or a mentor. This is why we've been so successful. As I've, we've had a coach for literally 25 years, and I would not be without. And people go, Isabel, you're so good at what you do. Why the hell do you need a coach? I'm like, no, no, I'm good because I have a coach, because <laughs> that coach helps me get my head out of my ass on a regular basis, right? Well, uh, would we go back, you know, I, I still recall hiring some mentors way back in the 80s when this was not even a big thing. Totally. I mean, people used to say, well, you have a coach because you're a loser. Now yeah. you're a loser if you don't have a coach. That's right. <laughs> totally. I mean, every other profession has some kind of mentorship. You know, if you are in medicine, you you have, or if you're apprenticeship in some kind of trades, why would it be any different for business owners? So when you think about your own development and some of the things, what would be a couple of things that the listeners could embrace or insert into their life so that they could shift their mindset that you can yeah. share with the listeners, Isabel? 
That's a good one. You know, you gotta, I'm gonna, again, I'm gonna speak for myself and then they, your listeners can take whatever they need from that. For me, what has helped me the most is to have a very clear morning ritual. It's very clear when I wake up at a, between four and five, and nobody needs to imitate that by no means, but I'm part of the four o'clock club, not the mm. five o'clock club. And, um, you know, I spend a good half an hour, 45 minutes meditating, meditating around, I have a, a specific meditation, guided meditation that I do around removal of obstacles, um, perfect health, and um, money. Uh, money abundance or, or abundance all, all together, right? Not just money, mm-hmm. but abundance of anything. And um, I have a strict rule of no email, no looking at emails within one hour of waking up. And uh, I don't watch the news. The, I'm, I'm very aware of what's going on in the world, but I'm aware because there's conversations with clients, there's conversations at dinner, uh, but I don't... Um, I don't clutter the, my brain with mm. a lot of yuckiness uh, from, from anywhere. And now even more, I'm not even downtown anymore. So I'm within trees and horses and calm. So it's been pivotal for me to really spend some time with myself uh, and getting, as I said, my head out of my bum, right? To mm-hmm. really get my head screwed on straight on a, on a daily basis. And then for me, it's all about learning. I need to have a good hour of learning every day. Otherwise, I feel unbalanced. That's what sparks me. I love to learn and I love to really get my head um, clutter-free as much as possible so that I can be more innovative and more creative and have more juice to give to others, you know? Mm. Well, there's a lot of people, they get up. They have a shower or coffee and they're on the road within like four minutes of getting out of bed. Yeah, that to me, uh, you know what, that used to be me. You know, I'm not... I'm not all that in the bag of chips. You know, I work at this all day, every day. Um, It's very important to start the day right. Start the day to fuel me is what I need, right? So that I can be 300% um, with people during my day. And one thing that I do during the day that has helped me tremendously, even just have a better relationship with my honey and business partner, is when I... When I'm in my office, and you know, we're all in our world. You just finished a phone call or you just mm-hmm. finished something good or not so good with someone. When I pass the threshold of my door frame, that is a, trend, a visual trigger as a transition for me. So I have specific ways to transition in my day. Sometimes it's three breaths before a call. Sometimes it's my a physical trigger like the door frame. Um, and that really resets me on a minute by minute, moment by moment every day during the day to actually really be present. Because one of the things that we promise here at Leap Zone, we promise clarity, we promise pivotal shifts, and we promise momentum. And in order to deliver that, I need to have clarity. I need to do what I need to do to be able to catapult my Mm. clients and the people that I work with. So I need to take care of me so I can better assist, right? So, and we uh, also... 
I couldn't Our agree. Own. Sorry to interrupt there, Isabel, for yeah, a please. second, but one of the research studies that Brendan Bouchard did, of course, was what were six habits of highly successful individuals, and one of those habits was clarity. So uh, yeah. you're oh. just affirming that. It's key. It's absolutely key. And for us, leaving people, so a lot of people have mission statements. And mission statement is a swear word at LeapZone. Uh, any other real swear words or not, but mission statement is. And who cares about a mission statement? Nobody remembers mission statements. I care that you are on a mission. So we as a team are on a mission to leave people feeling on fire and unstoppable. That's our mission. And every day we know that. And we remind each other of that. Before every call, I take three breaths and I go, all right, my mission is to leave whomever I'm going to be with right now on fire and unstoppable. And that is a guiding principle at Leap Zone, and everybody knows it. Everybody strives to deliver on that every single day. And I'll tell you, there's nothing better than just one or two words to create a culture of amazingness. Mm. Well, you know, think about CRG. Our purpose is to help others to live, lead, and work on purpose. Yeah. And all our work contributes to the fact that if, you're, if you are on purpose, then this energy is going to come from it. You're going to be engaged. I mean, the sad thing, Isabel, is that the majority of the world the majority of the developed population don't like what they do and they're miserable. Don't yeah. you think that's sad? That is extremely sad. And, and or they do it in a way that, like I remember years ago when we started our first business, the world of marketing and branding and branding agencies, it was all around pitching. You're not paid. You, pit, you spend three months and 20 people on, a, on an idea that you're going to pitch along with three, four other firms, and you may never get the project. Now, it doesn't take a doctorate degree to understand that that's a dumb business model. So as I was super green and young and full of piss and vinegar, I thought, this is dumb. I'm not going to work that way. If people want my ideas, they can pay for them. And our, our peers gave us three months to live, basically. Because they thought the industry has been hundreds of years this way. It's not going to change. And they're not going to win that battle. And I didn't mean to win the battle for everybody. I just wanted to win the battle for me. So mm -hmm. I decided that I wasn't going to work that way. Why? Because of what you just said. I thought that that was ridiculous. I didn't want that. And I thought there has to be a better way. So I think it requires, life requires a lot of audacity and a lot of boldness to be able to do it do what one, do what you want, but also do it in a way. It doesn't mean you're a coach that you have to coach the exact same way as the Federation tells you to coach. You could coach in a variety of different ways that are in alignment with your soul, alignment with your genius, mm -hmm. and delivering uh, something better, you know? Oh, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, one of the things in my new book, The Quest for Purpose, one of the character traits, which you were talking about mindset as well, was is that if you worry what everybody else says, you'll never do anything for yourself. Oh, and you know what I say? I say, if you don't piss people off, you're not innovating. At some point, when you put yourself out there, now, I don't wake up in the morning wanting to piss people off, yet I, don't, I do wake up in the morning going, hmm, how can I make things better today? And by having audacity to innovate. Innovation is amazing for a group of people and it's going to piss another group of people off, period. Mm -hmm. And the more you get yourself out there, like I've got a TED talk, a TEDx talk, right? It's got over 2 million views, lots and thousands of comments. Lots of comments are amazing. Some of those comments, you know, wow, I 
I've stopped watching comments because I'm like, oh, I guess they don't realize that there's a human being behind, behind those comments. Mm-hmm. However, if I let that even sway me a degree, I'd be completely affected. Interesting. I, I share this in many of the podcasts that everybody has an opinion. Very few people have wisdom. And one of my new articles coming out, Isabel, and I'll have to finish it, is that people that are easily offended are emotionally immature. They are. I so the, the other ones, those people that are so nasty, like, go get a life. Go like, get a life. Still, and not only that, like Brene Brown says in her Dare to Lead book, you know, if you're to have an opinion or something to say to me, you better be in there, in the arena, sweating it out as well, right? Like, don't you, uh, like, I remember there was one comment in particular that was totally bashing this and bashing that in my talk, but it had no validity. It had no rebuttal. Like, it had no, here's, you know, blah, blah, blah about your thing, and here's what I think instead. Like, there was none of that. It was just pure Mm -hmm. noise, you know? And I'm like, you know, I love that you have a different opinion, Bring it on, but you better be out there sweating it out in the arena if you're actually bringing this out, because otherwise I won't listen to you. That's right. Well, there's all kinds of people who will say, well, you shouldn't do that. I say, hey, listen, you have no experience here. Sorry. Your, your comments, you can, you're welcome to your opinion, but don't bring them into my space. Yeah, it's a little bit like wine tasting, right? You just listen to the comment. You swirl it around, and if it doesn't fit, spit it out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, I mean, for those of you listening, a lot of times – what happens in the dysfunction in society is, you know, the fear of missing out and we want to have all these likes, want to be able to have all these positive comments. But the reality is, is that if you, as you said, Isabel, if you're really stirring it up out there and if everybody loves you, you're probably not pushing hard enough. That's right. Yeah. So when you think about, you know, success in life and business, what are some of the other principles that you are teaching your clients and yourselves so that they can go, we have about 10 minutes left in the show, maybe just a few minutes less than that, or a couple minutes less than that. What are some of the, the nuggets we can share with the audience to say, you know, I need to do that as well. So I have mindset and I have clarity, but what are some other things that you do with your clients and with others? Well, I, I'm definitely very uh, big on figuring out what the X factor is. Like, what is the tipping point? What's the unique... Um, attributes that you're bringing to the world. Um, and a lot of the time when you do, uh, when you have a business of service, uh, a lot of these attributes are intangible, right? People don't buy an hour of coaching. They buy the transformation of coaching or of the guidance. Mm-hmm. So uh, my, part of my genius is to really help take the intangible and create something extremely tangible with it, like a framework, a system, something that is nameable, uh, illustratable, and uh, that can be walked through so people really understand what you do. So clarity is key. Understanding what your X factor is and the tipping point of why I should choose you over anyone else, regardless of how much you charge. I mean, that is absolutely key. And another thing that uh, we do really well here uh, at LeapZone that it's been ingrained in me is to, again, it's part architecture, is to, cre- is to book bubble time in 
your calendar. So first, if anyone out there does not use a calendar to actually live and organize their life and their business, uh, you are going to be in for one hell of a crazy ride. Um, so calendaring is key. And what we do is we create bubble time where bubble time is no distraction, no phone, no email, no bing, bing, ding, ding, nothing. And it's a lapse of time where it could be 90 minutes, could be half a day, could be half an hour, where you solely work on without disruption. And we've gotten 10 years ahead of our business plan as a result of this really simple strategy right here. It's not more complicated than this. I have years ahead of me of bubble time booked in my calendar. Do I move that lapse of time once in a while because there's something else that's important or more important? Sometimes. But more importantly, when I said earlier that I treat myself like a million-dollar client, you know, if you had a, a coaching session or a meeting with Oprah and you know, someone else came and claimed that spot, you wouldn't give it away so quickly. Mm-hmm. I treat me exactly like that. So when we have uh, work bubbles, work slot bubbles in our calendar about on our business, or it could be used for delivering genius to our clients as well. But I'm very clear with what I'm going to work on when. I don't keep anything in my head. I use tools like Trello and calendaring. And this, it's good to have a calendar, but it's not just good to have the calendar. You have to you know, actually use it in an intelligent, effective manner in order to be able to... Um, uh, to uh, have your day-to-day set up in a way that it's setting you up to thrive and to win rather than set you up for disappointment and overwhelm. This is the one thing that I see constantly in people in business is their, the level of overwhelm at the end of every day is actually killing the entrepreneur's spark for what they do. They now eventually hate what they do, but it's not that they hate what they do. They're just not set up in a way that it's set up to have them thrive. It's set up to literally burn, dim the bulb, you know? Mm. I just stop right there. That's very important. What are some of the things they're doing that's contributing to this overwhelm? Yeah, so um, they will, first of all, they won't plan their day, or, they, or if they plan their day, they're going to plan a day that's basically worth a week. It, there's no way you can actually accomplish this in a day. So you've got to actually set your day up for success. You know, you can't suddenly go, oh, I'm going to do all of that plus this plus that, and know that it's never going to happen that way, and then you set yourself up for disappointment. Disappointment day in and day out leads to overwhelm in a, a split second, a split minute. Um, also, a rule of mine is a lot of people put in their calendar as a, as a to-do list things that are not a to-do. Their project, I'll give you an example, launch my website. That is not a to-do. That is an objective. That is a three, four-month, quarter trimester objective. So, of course, people get to that to-do and then they... They, it grows as a to-do because they never address it. They never do it because it's not a bite-sizable item. Mm. So it grows into the mind of people, and then they're like, oh, my God. Then they're fully overwhelmed because they're not doing what they need to be doing, or they're pushing that to-do day and day, week and week, and eventually it becomes a big monster when all you need to do is establish what is the very next action that I need to do here to create a tiny little bit of momentum. Ken, it's very hard to move a parked car. 
Mm. Right? So, the, so what you're saying to the listeners, Isabel, is that we have these huge projects. By the way, we're going through a, a website rebuild right now. I get it. And so all of a sudden, it just, the, just the massiveness of this thing overwhelms us. So here's the project. And then what you're saying is we really do need to break it down. Absolutely. So I have things called action sheets. And so my action sheet has, imagine that it's an Excel spread, it's prettier than this, but you know, it's uh, columns and rows, and there's probably a few columns and uh, maybe 25 rows. And um, it's literally about what is the, the main project. So at the top of the sheet, it'd be launch website or redesign website. Then it would be a column of what is the, ta- what is the very not the very next task because we don't always know in order, but what is a, a bite size? Then who is responsible for that bite size? And by when is this bite size due? And so what we do is we write all of the bite size that need to happen within a project, and then we assign these bite size to other people or to our, my calendar, basically. But, and when I think of other bite size for this project, I add them to my action sheet so that I don't ever have to worry about launching the thing outside of the date itself. The very next thing is always very present for me. And when you find yourself procrastinating, my belief is when I procrastinate, it's either because I'm unclear about the very next step or it's that I, I'm unclear about the next step or I don't know where this goes. Either mm. way, I'm unclear. Therefore, I will procrastinate. And I'm not a procrastinator by nature. And I, of course, it happens in me as well, but I'm noticing that when I am to procrastinate, it's because I'm unclear about something or something is too big and I need to bite, I need to chunk it. So actually, Isabel, what you're saying is even though I'm feeling overwhelmed, but even my system is contributing to the overwhelm because I'm now stuck and this just accelerates and becomes this great big, huge hot air balloon for me. Exactly. Exactly. And in my calendar, a lot of people say to me, you're so scheduled because I actually schedule my spontaneity time. Otherwise, it won't happen because I'll be busy because I'm I've got the curse of the capable and I'm super responsible so if I don't actually set time to be spontaneous now I don't plan what I'm going to do in my spontaneous time but I plan spontaneous time Mm. so it's all about architecture for me and a lot of people say to me Isabel I don't want to hinder my my creativity and I feel like systems like that would lower my creativity like it's the complete opposite because when your brain mm-hmm. doesn't have to worry about a thousand little things because it's it's organized it's these three things they're booked Thursday afternoon these five other things they're booked next Tuesday morning and so I know when I'm working on things and when I'm literally right now if I had a thought and I'd be like oh Oh, I forgot to do something. I have post-its on my desk. I would write myself a post-it. I wouldn't go do it right away. A lot of people break their concentration, go do something else, then they're all over the map. I mm. just write it down on a post-it, and at the end of my, my interview or my meeting, then I, go put, I add that to the list where it belongs, and then I will plan it in my calendar so I don't have to remember it. I have tools like Brain Toss, Brain Toss is a little application that I just press on a button, say something, 
press on the button and it's in my email. So I don't even have to do anything. You and I are dyslexic, right? So we have to have awesome methodologies here to be effective. Oh, you're, without... you're awesome at using different tools. You've shared oh, different ideas with me over the years. I just love it, yeah. Well, you, you are a tool junkie in a positive way. In so, a positive way, correct. <laughs> in a positive way. Now, we're almost out of time. And I, man, I could go on. We're just getting going. We're just getting warmed up. We're just, I'm going to have to come back. Oh, well, well, there, there we go. But before we go, so we're going to, we've got four minutes left, listeners, okay. SOS Tribe. So first of all, before anything, how can people find out about you? And then you also say you have a gift for the listeners. Well, I do. Absolutely. So people can find me at LeapZoneStrategies.com. Uh, LeapZoneStrategies.com. I also have a, a Build to Rock program. So it's an online program called Build to Rock, and it's BuildToRock.com. And the gift is exactly what you talked about a moment ago. It's called Rock Your Business and Brand into Shape. It's a master class, 90-minute master class. And it, you're going to learn the number one mistake that even, small, uh, even smart small business owners make um, that actually keep you right? Overwhelmed, overworked, and underpaid. And of course, I talk about how to solve that. And I talk about this whole, I run through the architecture that we use to actually um, leverage our time and leverage our genius. And so I'll, I'll give you the link for that. Uh, yeah, uh, you've got here. that here. It's called buildtorock.com slash the best. Correct. That's yeah. correct. So that's exactly that. So that is going to start with a... Um, uh, an ebook, and then it leads to a masterclass. And that's a perfect gift, I think, for the audience. And of course, I'm online, I'm on social media, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. And I love when people uh, watch my masterclass, and then if they have any questions, to connect with me on Facebook or on social media, because I really like connecting and answering questions. I like adding mm. value mm. and creating Man, it's been such a rich conversation. And I hope listeners, you... I've just really taken a moment to reflect about all the possibilities and, and just the insights that Isabel has shared with us. Now, just before we depart, any last nugget of wisdom from the master TED Talk, Isabel Mercier? <laughs> all right. So since you actually said, uh, you, you said a bit, a bit about the TED Talk here in this phrase, I'm going to actually give a trick here that I use. Um, we're all at some point overly worried. Like we're overwhelmed. So there's a lot of worry in, mm-hmm. in North Americans anyways. If you go to Bali, maybe a bit less. But um, one thing that I do is I have a slot in my calendar on Fridays between 10 and 11. A.M. You can take whatever time you want. But this is called a worry time slot. So during the week, when I go through my week, and there's things that I need to worry about or I feel like I need to worry about, I actually book them in that time slot. I don't worry about it in the spot because I know that there's no point. So I know that I will worry about it. I've got time scheduled for it. And if, let's say I have 10 things that I need to worry about that on Friday, when I get to that worry spot, Ken, how many worries do you think are left for me to worry about on Friday? I don't know. You get to tell me on that one, but probably not as many as what you've started with. That is correct. <laughs> yeah. So that's the, that's the trick here is we spend so much time worrying about things, things that have happened, things that will never happen. Uh, and literally, it... it eats at our energy and if we put that energy to better use 
mm. we'd be able to be more successful and help more men, more people. So I just lock it into a little time slot on Friday. And when I get there, you know, the few that are there left for me to worry about, I, I just worry about those instead of 20 of them uh, along the way of my week and mm. derailing me. Well, I love this idea. I remember learning that years ago from Bob Pike about parking something. Yeah. So if you're in a training session and you have a concern, park it, put it on a Correct. on a notepad and put it over there and make sure that we get that covered as part of that process. But we do it. It's a mental game we play for ourselves. I agree with you. You might or might not know I've been hanging out with Marshall Goldsmith off and on for the last few years and he said, you know what, nothing happens without structure. So you've just really nailed it as far as saying, you know what, if I don't have structure, then how how, how am I going to be successful? So uh, Isabel, even, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say even down to date night. We have a structure for date night because otherwise they don't happen, right? So oh, I get it. bang on I on that. <laughs> and well, you know, Brent and I have been married now for nearly the same time, 26 years. And we yep. just, uh, if you don't plan it, then nothing happens. And we're saying, well, I just want the spontaneous side of romance. I said, sorry, like yeah. you plan everything else in your life. And this is the most important part of your life, and you leave it to accident. That's right. Okay, don't get me going on to that. So that's a <laughs> total right different there. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Isabel, thanks for hanging out with us today. Oh, my pleasure. It was a, a soulful, fun uh, conversation, and I would welcome uh, continuing this conversation anytime. Well, we will. Well, listeners, uh, you've been listening to Isabel Mercier. Leap, Strone, Leap Zone Strategies, pardon me. And, you know, go get her gift, buildtorock.com, the best. Now, when we think about life, she's left us a lot of tidbits. So go back, listen to this show over and over. It doesn't matter when you're listening to it. It all applies to creating some structure, being aware, getting clear. And all the things that she mentioned there is just, this is just to kind of go to the next level. We are so overwhelmed with all the stuff that's going on. We need to kind of filter out and take charge and control of our life. So if you like what we're doing, please share, pass it on, let other people know. Thank you for really sharing your most valuable commodity. That's your time with us today. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.